Midday Knowledge. Hi, my name is Heidi October and I'm the Deputy Director at the Centre for Student Leadership, Experiential Education and Citizenship and Head of the Frederick Francel Slavic Institute at Stellenbosch University. Welcome to our podcast. SLEEK's AVZS Institute focuses on student leadership development through a range of short courses, critical engagement sessions and seminars. This podcast forms part of our critical engagement monthly midday knowledge series as we engage on a range of topics stimulating critical thought, self-reflection and exploring contextual knowledge. This podcast was pre-recorded as part of our midday knowledge session on women in leadership in higher education in South Africa, the way forward. A conversation between Dr. Choice Macheta, Senior Director of Student Affairs at Stellenbosch University, and our guest speaker, Ms. Brightness Mangalotti, her's essay director. Okay, great. Thank you so much um, to Chris. Good afternoon, colleagues, and a very warm welcome to all of you. It's um, August, we are celebrating Women's Month, and what better way to do that is to have our midday knowledge this month focusing on women, women leadership in higher education, the road forward. We are very fortunate and honored today to have two very special colleagues in higher education, uh, female leaders who are truly making their mark and serves as an inspiration to all of us. Today, our keynote speaker is Brightness Mangalotti. Uh, within the um, higher education space, her specifically, uh, she needs no introduction. Um, Brightness is the current HERS essay director. Um, HERS essay, for those of you who don't know, is an NPO. It was registered in 2003, specifically focusing on women leadership development in higher education. Brightness is a former head of department for public relations and communication studies at Nelson Mandela University and has more than a decade of experience as a lecturer at public, both public and private universities. In 2015, she was also a Standard Bank Rising Star finalist and recognized by the International Association for Business Communicators for her contribution in the communications field. She's also an African Civic Engagement Academy Fellow at the University of Georgia, and armed with a passion for research. I particularly, colleagues, want to highlight to you her work on workplace um, bullying in South Africa, which I was very fortunate to also experience as a fellow HERS alumna. She's mentored several women and youth in business and higher education, and recently championed coaching for women leaders in higher education. Then, our moderator today, our very own uh, Dr. Choice Macheta, um, our Senior Director at Student Affairs here at Stellenbosch University. Now, Dr. Macheta obtained a PhD in Political Science at the University of the Free State. She brought a wealth of knowledge and, and expertise uh, when she joined us um, with extensive experience in higher education. Um, she held several senior management positions, to name a few, as transformation advisor in the office of the vice chancellor at Central University of Technology, as vice rector student affairs and external relations at the University of the Free State. On a national level and international level, she made her mark. Um, national level, she served as a political analyst for the SABC television and radio, um, specifically related to her field of expertise and internationally she's also a trailblazer for women in higher education also a fellow hers alumna represented our country internationally also as a fellow of the american council of education where she was hosted by harvard university and spelman college to shadow presidents and vice presidents so in short colleagues it, it gives us really a big great pleasure to welcome um, choice and brightness, our keynote speaker to today's session, and we look forward to hear your insights, brightness, and colleagues, we look forward to your um, sharing of your experiences and what inspires you to also motivate other women to become leaders in higher education. Thank you, brightness, over to you. Ah, good afternoon, it's 12 o'clock, good afternoon all. It's quite a pleasure to be connecting with you today. 
And as I've engaged with your colleagues, one of the things that came up is taking a driver's seat. And I was thinking as I was preparing, how, how do we take this driver's seat as women leaders in higher education? And I decided I, I want us to have this in a form of a conversation. Um, I've been attending a few talks in the past, and something that have came up is the question of uh, we are so focused into the slides, PowerPoint presentation, instead of having a conversation, talking to the women and saying, how do we start to challenge? And challenging, it's not only challenging the system, challenging organization, but importantly, I want to echo the message, how do we begin to challenge ourselves? And with that said, uh, Dr. Macheta, you've actually drilled on my mind the issue of how do you start taking a driver's seat? How do you begin to take leadership or ownership of your career as a woman? Be in a different position. I know I, I'm speaking with people from uh, a student governance perspective. How do you begin to take leadership? How do you begin to stay, take self-ownership of this particular journey that you are in? And I just want to, to, to position myself before I do this conversation. I am the first graduate in my family. I am the first daughter in my family. And I've always believed that there is a greater in me of God has installed so much in me that I need to give into the world. And with that said, I want to start by looking at the four pillars of my engagement to say, for you to actually take the driver's seat, there are four pillars that you need to focus on or four areas that I want to focus on. The first pillar, it's the I. The second pillar, it's the we, that is within your department. And the third pillar, it's about the us, that is within your organization, that is your institution. And the fourth pillar, it's outside of your institution. If you are going to drive this journey that you find yourself in, you need to be taking ownership of yourself as a person, as a professional, as a leader. And then you also need to be able to interact with your team that is in your department. You also need to familiarize yourself with the system that is the organization that you're working for. You also need to familiarize yourself with what we call the macrosphere, anything global, anything that is outside of your organization. I am a big proponent of self-leadership. Uh, self the question you might be asking yourself, what is self-leadership? How do I begin to lead myself as a person? The self-leadership goes back to what we call the career plan. When you start focusing on your career, you need to be asking yourself, where am I at this particular point and where do I want to take myself into? Just like being in a car, you need to have a plan, you need to have a roadmap to say, this is where I am at, at this particular juncture. And I want to move from point A to point B. The question is now saying, how do I get into point B? There are different approaches that one can use to actually get into point B. Then knowing yourself is about identifying what are my weaknesses? What are my strengths as a person? And understanding those will help you to say, now that I know what are my weaknesses, now that I know what I my uh, strength, I need to now identify what form of intervention should I be putting on table in order for me to move forward. Being a former academic, being a, an HOD, and also being a, a leader currently at HESESI, when I took into the role of being an academic, I understood that I was a discipline expert, but I was not an expert in teaching. So that actually forced me to find out more information on how do I do teaching. And part of me doing a gap analysis also included me saying, you know what, I need to get a qualification in teaching so that I can be efficient and effective in my lecturing. So that has actually moved me to do a postgraduate qualification. And part of me acquiring that knowledge, it was not only limited with doing the qualification, but it was also aligning myself with people who are doing 
or operating in a space that I am in. And what do I mean by aligning myself with people that are operating in the space that I am in? That could mean identifying mentors, that people who have actually walked the road, people who understand the processes, people who understand what lecturing encompasses. So in your space where you are finding yourself currently, it's about saying, who can I reach out to, to help me to be where I want to be as a leader or as a future leader? Secondly, it was also what we call continuous professional development. A qualification alone is not sufficient. And I believe in the position that you are currently finding yourself in, you need to be actually saying to yourself, how do I continuously upskill myself so that I can be relevant, so that I can deliver efficiently and effectively? But above all, for me, it's about excellence. How can I ensure that I become excellent? So the second part, it's not only getting an official qualification, it also means continuously, professionally developing myself, continuously affirming myself, continuously familiarizing myself with what are the trends. And when I familiarize myself with the trend, that goes back to my third point. In a space that you are operating in, there is what we call professional bodies. What professional bodies currently exist that you can affiliate in so that you can actually be able to keep tabs with what is happening in your field, what is happening in your discipline. If you are in a space of psychology, I believe there are professional bodies in psychology. Being affiliated in those professional bodies, it is important because professional bodies also provide continuous prof uh, professional development opportunities. Professional bodies also provide mentorship opportunities. So I want to say to you, these are the three key things. Familiarize yourself with the context that you find yourself in. Get a qualification if you currently do not have a qualification. If you already have a qualification, upskill yourself. That is very important. It's a continuous process of us upskilling ourselves. And I want to say when it comes to upskilling, it is not only about upskilling yourself vertically, but it's also about upskilling yourself horizontally. And what do I mean about upskilling yourself horizontally? That would mean in a context when I move, I'm going to use an example of me taking over an HOD position. When I move into an HOD position, Fortunately, I already had a master's in business administration. I already understood the processes of what it means to lead. But having the theory alone is not sufficient. Hence, it's important to actually align, associate, interact with people who are operating in the space. I've already alluded to the fact of getting yourself a mentor. One other area that I found women are actually not venturing into is getting a coach for themselves. It is important to get a coach, and there are different various coaches that exist out there. Some of the coaches they look into, they are life coaches, they are career coaches, they are coaches that look into different perspectives of your life. And I always say when you look into your coach, look into the coach holistically. Someone who can help you with your life, someone who can help you with your wellness, someone who can help you with your career, someone who can help you with balancing your work, uh, your work responsibility and also your personal responsibility. It is in that context that you have, if you look into your car, it's someone who will help you to actually envision where you want to see yourself, but it's also someone who helps you look back so that you don't repeat the same mistake. I think I'm taking on the points that, that she has uh, shared with us. I remember, you know, when they talk about coaching and, and mentoring and really taking the driver's seat of your career. I remember at some point when I have an, had an opportunity to, to join the American Council on Education. And I started thinking of who should be my mentors because all my life, my mentors and, uh, were, were men. 
and I was searching in 2010, 2011 for women who could actually take the step further because I wanted to shadow women and see how they lead within higher education. And that blessing came to make sure that I'm able to uh, uh, learn from other women. And I think taking the driver's seat is actually looking back at your career and said, I'm at this point and what do I need to, to add to be able to take the next level? You know, the kind of position that you want to occupy next. And you start looking at what it requires. And, and it, it is not just what it requires. I think at times we don't talk about the detours that are in our path. As women, there are many responsibilities and having to balance everything. You're talking about the career and you are learning all these other areas that the career requires. But at the same time, you should be preparing for the demands of the career on the other side of your life, the personal side. And I think at this point, I think um, brightness is back and we will be handing over to her again. And it's, uh, I've centered most about uh, acquiring knowledge. It's not only about acquiring knowledge, it's also about acquiring connection. It's about identifying key people that you are going to strategically align yourself with. And strategically aligning yourself with, it's about identifying who are you going to call your team, your go-to, your family, that some people, I don't want to use the word click, but who are the people that are going to be your team that you work to, people that you are able to be authentic around. People that you can speak your mind openly without feeling ashamed of the wrongs that you have done. People who can give you authentic feedback to you, not compromise, not look at you, not be conscious about how you are going to respond, but it's about people, those you can go to and say, this is what I'm currently encountering. How do I deal with this particular journey? And these are the people that are very important also when you start moving to the next level, when you start looking into applying for that position. And applying for that position, when you do your CV, someone that you can share the documentation with and say, can you please review this particular document for me? Is it a, a true reflection? That picked up when we do our CVs, when we constrain or, or we limit ourselves from sharing with others. There's a lot of wonderful work that we are doing. But because we are so self-absorbed, we forget to bring in some of the key strategic things that we are doing. So bringing those people, they become your eyes and your ears. They are able to identify that, you know what, these are your strengths, brightness. This is what you are missing out. This is what you are also doing that you can also bring in as you craft your journey as a leader, as you craft your journey as a professional, as you craft your journey as a woman. These are the people that you can narrate to them. Some of the challenges, it can be from the home front, it can be from the work front, and I, I want to urge you, find these people. It can be inside the organization, it can also be outside the organization. It can also be your leader. It also depends on the type of relationship that you have with your leader. The better the relationship, the best you can actually go to your leader and say, this is where I see myself. And the I part, as, as, as I speak to that, as you try to move forward as a person, I always say, and I speak uh, uh, under correction, and, 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 and I, 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 I might be making not a famous statement, but I want to say to you, understanding yourself, it's also about putting the plan together. Remember I said, when you start this journey, you have this car, you want to move to the next level. And part of you moving to the next level, it's part of knowing yourself. And part of knowing yourself, it's also putting together a plan. It's always important as women to have plans, to actually say, you know what, in five years time, this is where I see myself. Unfortunately, what I have found as a leader and also in the space that I'm operating in, we do these things in isolation. 
You have a line manager, but you haven't ever gotten into a space where you sit down with your line manager and say, this is where I see myself. And also sensitizing, getting feedback from your line manager so that you understand the eye better. How am I contributing in my department? What do you think I can improve? What do you think I can change as a leader? Where I see myself within the department? How you can help me as a leader in order to be able to get there? Some of the leaders are unable to identify future leaders because you are not making yourself visible. You are not raising your hand. You are not saying, let I be counted because this is where I'm seeing myself. The more you talk about where you see yourself, the more people are sensitized about your need. The more they are sensitized, some of them are able to identify the blind spot to say, you know what, this is what you need to work in. This is what I have identified as your strength. And by so doing, that helps you to build your courage. Courage is not something that happens automatically. Courage also means you need to plan. Courage means you need to speak to other people. Courage means the more feedback you get, the more you are able to craft yourself in such a way that you become presentable. You are able to articulate yourself. You become more confident because you have planned. You know what needs to be done. The more people who are not courageous, it's because they are not certain about themselves. It's because they don't know who they are. So my point of departure, that is point one, it's about knowing who you are. The second part, it's the we within your department. I've had people who aspire to be things, but how do you work with your team? How do you work within the department? And I've found that certain people as women, we, we, we isolate ourselves. We have this mentality, you know what, I'm just here at work to work, and that's what I get paid for. And that's not the best mentality to progress within an institution, within a department, or within any other space. It's important that you are able to collaborate. It is important that you are able to work with your colleagues. It is important that you familiarize yourself with the strengths and the weaknesses of your team. The more you know their strengths, the more you are able to leverage on that. And when I say leverage, I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean it in a way, I know what my strengths are and I know what my next colleague's strengths are. And the minute I understand that, where I have my strengths, I can leverage and tap into those who have strengths where those areas are my weaknesses. And by so doing, you are able to help each other. Some people are unable to be promoted because they don't know how to work within the team. You cannot work within the team if you don't know what you can bring in the team. And I want to move to the, to, to the third level, which is about understanding your organization. Some of us, as I've already alluded to, when we get into our workspace, you are more concerned about your title, you are more concerned about what you are employed to do, but importantly, for you to be able to find your way, to be influential, to be visible, you need to understand the organization that you are working for. You need to understand you are currently working at Stellenbosch. Are you familiar to the processes of Stellenbosch? Are you familiar to the systems of Stellenbosch? Are you familiar to the policies of Stellenbosch? Are you familiar with strategic people that you should be liaising with in order for you to be able to deliver what needs to be delivered within your department, within your capacity, based on the position that you are appointed for? And you find in most cases we are so aloof, so alone, that we are not interacting with colleagues outside of our department. And we miss out on getting information that can enable us to strengthen our department and also to make ourselves visible as the employees within the department. And I want to move into the fourth level that is outside their organization, outside the institution where you are employed in. So with outside the institution, if you are a professional, and I've used an example of a psychologist, you are a student uh, leader within, uh, you, you, you are coordinating the student leadership within the division where you are appointed in. It is important that you network with other colleagues in other 
institution. One of the key things you find that we are rewriting the history because we are repeating what has already been created. Part of you networking, interacting with people outside of your organization, and actually also to benchmark, to learn what are they doing right? What is it that you are currently not doing within your institution? It actually gives you an added advantage to be able to propose and to innovate things within your department. It cannot be as a woman leader that when you move, want to move up the rank, that you're still waiting for your boss to tell you what needs to be done. That is not the best way of actually taking the driver's seat. Taking the driver's seat, it's not about giving the responsibility of the boss to decide what your future holds. It's about you deciding that this is what I want for my future. And I always say also to, to my colleagues, even to my staff currently, you don't have to wait for your line manager to invite you for the meeting. You also have the responsibility as a staff member to set up a meeting with your line manager so that you can engage with your line manager on what you have identified as the gaps within the department, what needs to be done, what needs to be changed, and a word of caution, and I'm, and I'm pleading to my colleagues, I always say from a communication perspective, it's not what you say, but importantly, it's how you say it. You can come with wonderful innovation, but if you are articulating it in a way that is arrogant, in a way that actually say to your line manager, you are actually not doing what needs to be done, look at what other universities are doing, then you are not going to win. Remember that your line manager is not your opponent. Your line manager is someone that you need to be working with, you need to be working with so that you can be able to drive the vision of the department, but importantly, the vision of your institution for. With that said, it is important that as women, as I've said, it's the I, it's the we within the department, it's about within your organization, that is your institution, it's about making strategic collaboration. It's about using the network. And I want to echo the use of social media. Social media is a very critical platform, which I've found so many women are underusing that platform. Use your social media in order to leverage on those collaborations, to leverage on those networks. Because without networks, you won't know what you don't know. And I always say it is through interacting with other people that you are able to identify what are really the gaps. And I've always said to people that are engaged with consistently that you might find that you are the best. You are just the best within Stellenbosch. But once you engage with people outside of Stellenbosch, you realize, you know what, I'm not as best as I thought I am. But it is true when you engage with these people, you are able to say, Oh, these are the gaps. These are the areas that I need to be working on. It always comes back to the I. It always comes back to what can I bring forward to my team? What can I do to make a change? And what I've just identified in the past is that it is through serving that you are able to move up the rank. I've never seen people who get Nobel Prize because of what they have done for the I but it's because of what they have done for the week. So all I want to say, be cautious about getting feedback. You will be getting feedback from your team. You will be getting feedback from your leadership, but it's also about the feedback that you're getting from people outside of your institution. As I look into these four pillars, I just want to echo to you that uh, Within the South African higher education context, we all know that organizations mirror our society. Issues of patriarchy, racism, sexism, classism, and other isms are prevalent in our institution. Management is still white male dominated. There are few women uh, in your context. Uh, there might be few women leaders, most so African leaders. And certain disciplines are still male-dominated. And curriculum is not responsive to transformation. And I feel the space that you are operating in is very critical because you are engaging with the student. How do you then create transformation 
in the context of the role that you are playing, not just transforming your department, but transforming the stakeholder that is the student that you are dealing with. I just want to make a turn call to women leaders. These are, are the few key things that I want you to do for me as part of my closure. Things that I want you to challenge. It is important as women leader, firstly, educate ourselves. Education is the most powerful weapon which we can use to change the world. And when I say education, education is not only formal education, but it's also using informal education beyond the classroom, networking, collaboration, a professional body. That's how we can educate ourselves. And I want to also echo the second part. It is important that as women leaders that we speak up. It is Audrey Lorde who say, I have a duty to speak the truth as I see it and share not just my triumphs, not just the things that felt good, but the pain, the intense, often unmitigated pain. It is important to share how I know survivor, survivor and not just to walk through the ring. And when I say speak up, when you see something that is not right, it is important that as women, we speak up. The injustice that happened in our institutions, speak up. And that injustice can also be in a form of promotion. It can also be in a form of performance management. And these are the things that become barrier for the elevation of women in higher education. And the second, uh, the third part that I want to echo, it is important that as women, we take up spaces. It is Zosibini Tunzi who actually said, nothing is as important and as taking up space in society and cementing yourself as a woman. Sometimes it's not about taking that leadership position. And sadly, I must say this, unfortunately in our institution, especially in a professional space, not the academic side, what we also call the non-academic side or the past side, you need to wait for someone to pass on before you can take a leadership position. And I want to remind women, raise your hand. It's important as a woman to stand up and be counted. It can be a committee. It can be any association that is available for you to offer your service. Use those spaces. You'll be amazed how much learning takes place. You'll be amazed how many opportunities present themselves outside of the space that you are working on. But you cannot be able to engage in those spaces if you are not going to raise your hand. But importantly, I just want to come to a closer and say, it is important as women that we celebrate other women. And celebrating other women, women such as Dr. Macreta, we need to celebrate those who are in leadership, those who are creating such opportunities for women. And I just want to quote this. I wish that more women realize that helping another woman win, sharing her own, praying for her, or sharing a resource with her does not take away from the blessing coming from them. In fact, the more you give, the more you receive. Empowering women doesn't come from selfishness, but rather from selflessness. That's Celine who says that. So with that said, I want to say, as much as you need to have coaches, as much as you need to have mentors, it is important also that you give back and be mentors to our future leaders. With that said, I just want to say thank you. Over to you. Thank you very much. That is such a powerful message. And I think it, it, is, it is something we can take forward with us and really keep us thinking and, and, and taking from there. Uh, when we talk about empowering other women and really helping other women, you know, take the next step. It, it, it even starts further on. We are in higher education and we interact with a lot of students. And you come across students who are really experiencing very difficult situations in their own lives. Like you say, you are the first woman to, to go to university at home. You find students, if they were not supported by someone, they would not be the first in their family. And you find students where the university is not able to assist at a particular time. And you have to look at yourself to say, but can I afford a few thousands to help this woman take a few steps forward? And the difference that makes, because it comes with a lot of uh, excitement, because once you open one door, 
you realize that many other doors open for that student. And I want to go back to your I and the we and us together. I, I used to wonder every time, you know, every time people say, uh, you must know yourself. And, and I realized that it's, it's a lifetime question. I, I thought it would stop somewhere in my career, but it's a lifetime question where one, you need to learn how to ask yourself questions and to reflect on, on where you are, but, but also building the quality of person that you really want to be, you know, issues of integrity and what you stand for and stuff. And also when you join an organization or an institution, you should actually look at your values and look at their values and check whether they align. They might, and sadly enough, they might align on paper until you get into the system and you realize that the institution is not living its values and there's a problem. And this is where now we say, you, you cannot keep quiet about these values. You have to actually trust your instincts about those and actually raise the issues because together you have to build that uh, relationship of taking uh, the journey forward. But it, it's, it's so important uh, to bring that balance and to, and, and when, when we spoke about taking your journey forward, and before I go any further, I just want to check, uh, Kristen, you let me know if there are questions uh, because I don't want to take up time. When I say uh, stay in your driver's seat, and, and I've, I've, I've believed in that for a very long time because I looked from the early years of my career Whenever you ask the institution to fund you, for instance, to go to a conference or some empowerment uh, program internally or internationally, the institution will be ready to give you leave. But at times, funds would be limited, of course. Yeah? And I learned very early that I'm not going to allow the institution to decide how far I go and how broad I develop myself. And when I look at my CV at times and I look at one particular situation, I look at, and I just said, I've, I've visited the U.S. more than 20 times. Ne? And only about, I mean, I think it's about three, four times that my institution paid for. So it, it is looking at opportunities and not allowing circumstances within an institution to block your journey because you understand where you're going. And, and making sure that if the institution is ready to support you with leave days to be where you need to go, then you organize funding from another source that supports your journey. And in the end, you realize that you, you're actually uh, able to, to achieve more working with the outside and the inside. But the other part, a colleague was asking me just, just another day, there was like, to say, okay, fine, when you get into a position, how do you own it? Because there are people who have the qualifications and they go to interviews and, and really, really get the position. And when they get the position, they chicken out. They don't want to show up. They want to, don't want to be seen. They don't want to say anything. And, and the important part is to be present, is to show up. Yes, you'll make mistakes, but those mistakes will take you to the next step. So when you are given a position and you qualify, you must feel confident to occupy that seat and, and really lead with the team that you have. And we acknowledge that we are leading with other leaders and therefore we lead together, but making sure that you take ownership of that journey and, 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 and really take it forward. Doing are there questions, are there comments? I don't Yes, um, um, Dr. Dr. Maketa, there is a comment um, uh, by one colleague who says having a coach or a mentor is very important. And then we also have a question um, from Anas. Um, do women feel threatened by males in the workplace? There, there is a context where women are threatened by males. And I think it also has to do with how we have been socialized as women. We have been socialized to serve men more than to lead men. And we feel, uh, we feel uncomfortable to show up for our leadership position. And, and that on its own, I, 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 I think it's important for me, once you take a position, you need to own up to that position. That's step number one. Step number two for me, it's about planning. When I say the I, it's very important. It's about understanding who you are. 
The real reason why people have challenges in their leadership position, it's because they don't know who they are. Once you know who you are, once you know your weaknesses are, you are able to plan, you are able to come up with intervention, you are able to strategize so that when you go to the meeting, you go prepared. Something that uh, women are found, they self-sabotage themselves. They go to meetings unprepared. When you are not prepared, people are not going, are going to pick that up and people are going to leverage on that. And if sometimes in my context, I've found that if I need to make an example with someone, use that opportunity so that people can actually see that you are serious about this business. Unfortunately, what we have done in the past as women and some women still continue to do is that when a man wants to walk over you, wants to silence you, you self-silent also because you now say, you know what, I know this is what so-and-so is going to say. And women are democratic leaders. And the minute you can actually see uh, person A, a male, is dominant, find a strategy to actually bring, say, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Macheta, for your input. Let us allow the other colleagues to also contribute. By so doing, you are pulling them into the conversation. Unfortunately, we allow people to dominate in the conversation. We allow people to own our meetings. So it's important as women to own what we need to be doing. And hence, it goes back to the point again of the policy. If you do not familiarize yourself to the policy, people are going to walk over you. There are cases, I'm just going to use one example in a case where I had a colleague who wanted to take sabbatical. He did not qualify to take sabbatical. And he literally said, you know what, I have the money. I can appoint someone to actually do my work because I need to do this particular project. Firstly, you ask, how is it going to contribute to the department? And before I go to that point, also when people make suggestions, find out how is it going to contribute to the, uh, to the bigger vision. They might not have gone through the right processes, but part of being a leader is part of being a listener. Don't go there from a defensive mode and try to defend and say, you are not supposed to do this and that and that. Listen, give people a space to actually speak up. Once you have given them a space, also, some strategy that I have used is also put them on the spot to say, if you were in my shoes, what would you have done? So by so doing, you're actually pulling them to actually come up with the resolution. When you try to come up with all the resolution, you get your fingers bent. So my point was a, a colleague wanted to take sabbatical. They did not qualify for the sabbatical, but they did have budget, so they could get anyone to be replaced. But there are processes and procedures. So when you go to that colleague, you say, uh, Dr. So-and-so, you know that we have policy ABC. This is what the policy is saying. And I know policies do allow for the deviation. In this case, what you are saying is actually saying to me, we must deviate from the policy. So if you want us to deviate from the policy, please write me a note supporting why we should be deviating so that I can escalate this matter. And I've found some of these colleagues would like, no, it's okay, we don't have to escalate this matter. I'll find a way of working around this. But because you are not familiar with the processes, the systems, the policies, then you are going to be taken advantage of. So my point coming to, to, to that point that we become scared about how to lead and leading men because we are not familiarizing ourselves with the processes. Hence I say, align yourselves also strategically with people within the institution. It's highly impossible to know everything and anything on one go. You should be having people that you can make a call and say, so and so, where do I get something that speak about uh, the, 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 the sabbatical? And they should be able to point you into the right space. Having those people, they might not give you the answer, but it will save you time. Imagine having to sit the whole day and perusing through all the policies. I've seen universities, they have hundreds of policies that you have to go through. But if you speak to the right person, you are able to go to just to the exact right policy so that you can use it for the purpose that is needed for. So it does happen also that 
men are threatened by you and they come across as if they are dominant i found when women men try to be dominant they're trying to hide around their masculinity it's about saying you know what here i am i'm your boss let's work together it's about it's not about the he or she it's about what needs to be done how can i help you how can you help me so that we can do what needs to be done i think just to add to what you have said uh there are situations where women allow themselves to really be be submissive and throw especially there are situations in especially in factors environments where women are really really powerful in their own area of work and stuff and that but they are just so deep in 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 a in a corner that they are not even able to speak for themselves and when you go to meetings with some of these environments i've i've been in situations where you get into a space and you see who's free to talk and who's not free to talk and as women uh it is it is our duty as well to stand up for others and 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 it's a it's a journey that is very difficult because it's a transformation journey that is so messy at times but mm -hmm. it is a journey where when another woman is not strong enough for, to stand for themselves and you have the courage and the connections to deal with that particular issue you actually take it up uh i had a, a situation for instance where a, a, a colleague could not stand for herself and and i kept on saying but you know the director's office is a call away and she says no 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 i'm scared i have to go through layers i, I said those layers are blocking your growth and they don't even allow you to say a word and i picked up a call and i made it an appointment with the director's office at that institution and i went for the meeting and i spoke to the dvc learning and teaching as well in the meeting to talk about this and i was still in the faculty i was a junior lecturer i was really low but i just felt that that was not right that was happening with it and and the issue had to be dealt with and and the the head of faculty uh, of department was very angry that a junior lecturer really right went to the director's office and and the uh, the head of department said uh but i what, what connections do you have to be able to call director's office and i just said no <laughs> it's a call away layers cannot block you from dealing with something that is very abusive uh, and 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 blocking another woman's path and and it's very important uh, on that path for other women to feel that we are together and we stand together but first we are human beings and as human beings uh, that comes first and 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 learn to um, have difficult complicated conversations is very important because when you come across powerful uh, personalities in your environment you you need to be able to call a person and have a conversation and say you know what i don't know what are you aware of how you are behaving in meetings or are you aware how you are treating me as a woman leader in the environment and 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 try and help another person to be aware of their own behavior as as you learn to work together as leaders in the environment and i think with time it it balances out thank you so much i'm really loving the conversation um and this will be the last question as we do need to wrap up um so the question is should we be considering mentoring as a standard part of our key performance areas as there is no as there is example no formal mentor mentor program at su uh, in other words other words what can we do to encourage mentoring of young professionals in our teams within the division of student affairs some of us are already doing it but i do find that in general we don't have a proactive uh, approach to mentoring and coaching for me mentoring standard part of the kpa key performance areas i don't think it should be part of the kpa but for me mentoring should also be part of talent management once you get into the institution that is when you are appointed it's important that there is uh, the onboarding process part of the onboarding process is actually to tell you about the process promotion performance management everything that will actually make your working space a, a nice space to be at currently what i would encourage if there is no formal process try to facilitate something even if it's at the departmental level 
it doesn't necessarily have to be at an institutional level. I think that's a best practice of talent management. That's a best practice of ensuring that employees are happy in the working space. When you have a mentor, that literally means you have someone that you can talk to, someone who can guide you, someone who can advise you, someone who can show you the way, someone that who can actually direct you on what is right and what is not right. But unfortunately, what is happening, especially I know Stellenbosch University is still white, male-dominated, and I, I, and I speak under correction from the statistics that I have. The people that you are currently trying to attract, most of them are from the previously disadvantaged group, what we call the black Indian colored and uh, black African. So those people that you are recruiting, they need as much support as possible. Because I've found also when you get into a space, it can be very alienating, it can be very lonely if you don't have a mentor. So once you fast track them by bringing a mentor, you actually make the process easier. People exit the organization sometimes, not because of the leader, not because of the type of work that they're doing, but because of the type of support that they're getting from their colleagues and also from their line manager. Mentorship for me, I believe it's a, one form of support that should be provided to the employees. Find a way of making it compulsory if it's possible. When you, moving forward, when you appoint someone, put in place processes, I'm more than willing to assist you with that. I've started the mentorship program for HESSA. I have documentation that I can share with you on how to go through the process of initiating a mentoring, uh, mentoring program for your department. So please do reach out if you need such support. Thank you for listening to our podcast and remember to follow us on Instagram at FEZS Institute and subscribe to the podcast for bi-weekly uploads. Also feel free to send us a message if you would like to collaborate on an episode or if you're interested in one of our short courses.